what's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? My name is Kate Sullivan, and I am the host of To Dine For. I'm a journalist, a foodie, a traveler with an appetite for the stories of people who are hungry for more. Dreamers, visionaries, artists, those who hustle hard in the direction they love. I travel with them to their favorite restaurant to hear how they did it. This show is a toast to them and their American dream. Thank you to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National and Spiritless. To Dine For The Podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For, people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, visit americannational.com dine. Spiritless supports the conscientious cocktailer who wants to live fully but drink differently. Their signature Kentucky 74 is a distilled non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails. It's zero alcohol zero guilt, and just 15 calories per serving. Whether you go completely spiritless or go halvesies with a foolproof bourbon to lower the ABV in your cocktail, you can get your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use promo code to dine for to get free shipping. This is To Dine For The Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Sullivan. Come with me as we meet the world's most innovative and brilliant minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's episode is the CEO and founder of Samosource, Lila Jana. I felt like, if not me, who? Of all the people I've met, few have impacted me as much as Lila Jana. Lila, a bright and beautiful young woman who is the CEO and founder of two companies, Samosource and Luxme. Fortune magazine named her one of the most promising entrepreneurs in the country. She didn't just dream of a world without poverty. She worked tirelessly to make that dream a reality. She truly lived her values and mission. In January 2020, Lila passed away from complications from her cancer treatment. I hope her words and her work continue to inspire you. This is my interview with Lila Jana from the Samovar Tea House in San Francisco. Today we're in the Yerba Buena Gardens in downtown San Francisco. I'm on my way to Samovar Tea, a modern tea house in the middle of this city, in the middle of these gardens. But it's who we're going to meet that will blow your mind. Wait until you hear how she is changing the world. It is so inspiring. How are you? Good, how are you? So nice to meet you. Good to meet you too. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me. It may seem strange to put an organic tea house in the middle of downtown San Francisco, but the owner is a former tech employee, well aware of how the brutal hours and demanding schedules of Silicon Valley can fray nerves. Samovar was created to help people slow down, disconnect from the world, and reconnect with themselves. I would say Samovar Tea is an urban sanctuary, mm. so we're an escape from the world out there. Are you okay with everything? I'm okay with everything. Okay, because I have weird California hippie taste. Um. <laughs> Translation, healthy, organic, sustainable. Today, we're eating kale salad with tempeh, butternut squash dumplings with a sesame dipping sauce, and a house special 
the Japanese service, which comes with steamed organic brown rice, a seaweed salad, sauerkraut, and vegetables. Oh yeah, and an iced matcha that I can't quit drinking. It's a very iconic part of the city, and the Museum of Modern Art is right across the street. Okay. It is no surprise that Lila, a true star of Silicon Valley, chose to take me to a restaurant where the goal is to change the way we do things in the modern world and forge human connections. The connection happens all the way back 6,000 miles away where there is a farmer picking this single leaf and processing it for us here and now. Mm. So it's like we're shaking hands with this farmer. I think we're often obsessed with getting more for our money. Um, certainly I grew up in a cash-constrained environment with immigrant parents who didn't have much, and mm -hmm. so we were always looking at you know, how many calories our dollars would buy. Right. Um, and now I think my food approach has shifted a bit to mm -hmm. how much nutrition does my money buy. Samovar Tea House is an oasis in the city full of fragrant and fresh farm-to-table food and delicious tea from around the world. I can think of no better place to sit down and hear Lila Jana's story. So tell me a little bit about where, what we're eating and what kind of foods you like to eat. Sure, I love, uh, I love to eat local wherever possible and I'm really into eating uh, fresh organic produce mm -hmm. um, because I have a skincare business. I study ingredients all the time and I'm really interested in how food is, is medicine mm -hmm. and how what we put in and on our bodies can heal us. So um, that's why I'm a big fan of superfoods like kale um, and many of the nuts and seeds that Samovar uses in their dishes. So I feel like this food is really indicative not only of where you're from, but really what you believe. Absolutely. It's funny, I, I have Indian uh, heritage, but I don't know how to cook Indian food to save my life. <laughs> I feel like I know how to use my Vitamix uh, a lot more than I know how to cook any Indian dishes. Sure. So um, I think my food tastes are a reflection of growing up in California. Sure. <laughs> the daughter of Indian immigrants, Lila Jana's story is the American dream come to life. At just 35 years old, this Harvard grad has become a true Silicon Valley force. As the founder and CEO of two different companies, Samasource and Luxme, Lila has made it her life's purpose to use cutting-edge social enterprise models to provide work to low-income individuals around the world. Simply put, she takes people in third-world countries, often in the most deplorable of conditions, and gives them work. Not just any work, but work that takes them from the slums to professional environments, work that lifts them out of poverty in a dramatic way. It has taken a lot of hard work to rise to the top of the tech world, and she credits her grit and determination to her upbringing and the sacrifices her parents made to give her a better life. Tell me a little bit about how and where you grew up. I grew up in Southern California. My parents came here from India in the late 70s, and uh, they moved from Buffalo to Southern California when I was quite young. Mm -hmm. So it was a, a good move for me weather-wise. <laughs> um, and. Uh, and I always um, really wanted to travel and explore the world, so I was really lucky to have a chance to do that in high school. Tell me a little bit about your parents and you know, a little bit about their expectations for you. Well, my parents were immigrants, and when they came here, they literally had one suitcase. They had the typical American dream kind of immigrant story of coming here with nothing and working really hard. Um, my mom had a degree in English literature from India, but at the time, it was really hard for her to get into graduate school because none of them recognized Indian undergrad degrees. Mm. So she got a job chopping onions at Wendy's. That was her first job here in the really? U.S. She could literally recite 
Shakespeare sonnet. She's incredibly educated, but knew that she needed to hustle to make ends meet. So um, the value of working hard um, and appreciating opportunity that we got was instilled in my brother and I from a really young age. Oh, that's incredible. And so, you know, I always feel like um, our earliest memories shape us. And so do you remember when you were in high school and college, like what you dreamed of being? So I had a fortunate experience to uh, go and do service work when I was in high school. I started working with the ACLU in Southern mm -hmm. California on educational equity. And then when I was 17, I went to Africa. I graduated a semester early and went and worked in West Africa at a school for blind children. This is in high school. This is in high school. So, <laughs> In fact, it was that trip to Africa that changed Lila Jana's life. When she was just in high school, Lila traveled to Ghana for an internship. Seeing extreme poverty up close was defining and set her on a path that she could not ignore. After I saw extreme poverty up close and I saw the amount of wasted human potential mm -hmm. in a place like Ghana where people speak beautiful English, where people value education, where people work so hard. Uh, the women in my village often had two or three jobs to make ends meet and to put their kids through school. And I felt like we had this collective myth about poverty in sub-Saharan Africa, which is that poor people are poor because they're not working hard enough mm. or because they don't share the right values. And I saw that that was a total myth. <laughs> people were working extra hard um, and they had exactly the right values. They just had none of the opportunities that I had had growing up mm -hmm. to get a good education and then importantly to use that education to earn a living wage and get a decent job. You're in Ghana, you're seeing extreme poverty up close. What is it about you that feels like you could then do something that could actually have an impact? I felt like, if not me, who? Mm. Um, my dad went to Jesuit school growing up mm -hmm. and he always uh, instilled this idea in us that whatever we achieve in life, sure, part of it is due to hard work, but mostly it's due to luck and circumstance. And, um, and if we don't recognize that luck plays such a significant role in our life, um, then we're sort of you know, we're, we're missing something. So he, he always emphasized that we, uh, that we have a moral duty to level the playing field for people who maybe didn't grow up with the same opportunities that we had. And I think my parents' experience seeing extreme poverty up close in India mm -hmm. and then moving to a place like the U.S. where they could get their kids into good public schools, where um, there was no caste system that uh, artificially you know, divided people. It gave them a sense of possibility and it instilled in me the sense that maybe I could do something about this problem. Lila believes that talent is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. So in 2008, she founded Samasource, a company that lifts people out of poverty around the world by connecting them with dignified digital work. Since that day, Samasource has employed nearly 10,000 people in Kenya, Uganda, India, and Haiti by bringing them data projects from some of the world's largest companies like Walmart, Microsoft, and Google. Lila's goal is to make human connections that will help her clients achieve their business goals while radically altering the life trajectory of those who are doing the work. Many people at the beginning said what we were trying to do was not possible or didn't make any sense. And it did take a lot of, um, I think, a almost a stubbornness and a willingness to, um, to try even when others thought it wouldn't be possible. That it really leads me to the question of um, 
if you could detail how Samasaurus works. So Sama means equal in Sanskrit. Mm. It's actually the root word for same in English okay. um, and many European Indo-European languages. And um, I got started because I, I was working in poverty reduction after I had first gone to Ghana. I went back, I worked at the World Bank, I worked for a couple of different nonprofits doing charity work in Africa, and I got kind of frustrated with the traditional charity approach, which in many ways is, is kind of paternalistic. It's saying that, you know, we wealthy foreigners know what's best for you poor African people. Mm -hmm. And often what you find is that local people know best what they need. Aid programs really need to be designed from the ground up with the beneficiaries at the front and center of the program. And what we found was that the best aid program that exists is giving work. Mm -hmm. That if you give living wage work to low-income people and they start earning higher incomes, they start spending that income on exactly the sorts of things that the best charity or aid program would design. Mm. They automatically um, find solutions to things like sanitation. They automatically get health insurance or get access to better health care. So instead of giving people money, you're giving them the opportunity to empower themselves creating jobs that allow them to then make decisions that are best for their community. Exactly. And it sounds so obvious, but it's not something that has really taken root in the aid and charity sector as much as it could. We'll have more on this conversation in just a minute. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm, or your life, you can count on your local American National agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com dine. If you're like me, there are times when you want to feel like you're having a fancy cocktail, but you don't actually want the alcohol. So I love Kentucky 74 from Spiritless. It's a distilled, non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails, but with just 15 calories per serving and none of the guilt. You can pre-order your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use the promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Now back to our conversation. We're still devoting a very small percentage of dollars in this space towards creating living wage jobs for low-income people. And so we've seen time and time again that when we do that, these communities uh, on their own find the best solutions and we see a dramatic improvement in livelihoods. And I thought, what if we could create a social enterprise, a, a nonprofit organization whose mission was to measurably move people out of poverty, so move them from incomes of $2 a day to middle class in their countries. And what if we could do that through a self-sustaining business model where eventually the model would break even or pay for itself so that it didn't always have to be donor funded. And what kind of jobs are these? Is it like giving white collar jobs to people who would 
would normally get blue collar jobs? It's like uh, giving them access to formal work. So I wouldn't say they're necessarily white collar jobs. I'd say right. they're basic digital jobs, but it's a it's an important stepping stone for someone who's only ever worked in the informal economy. Mm -hmm. About a billion people around the world around the world work full time and still earn less than a dollar a day. And there's no career path for these people, and there's certainly no uh, guarantees for living wages or even basic, basically decent working conditions. So it's more than giving work; it's almost giving them careers and a purpose. Absolutely, it's we believe it's giving hope and dignity. And in the last decade since I founded Samasource, most of what we do now is uh, training data for machine learning and artificial intelligence teams mm. here in Silicon Valley. Wow! So things like uh, one of our favorite projects was tagging images for the Getty Images photo archive. Sure. And we were able to train uh, people in northern Uganda in a region that was mostly known for a really brutal civil war, mostly an agricultural community. We've created over 500 jobs in that community doing projects uh, like this, uh, including the Getty Images project. And so it's a win-win it's a for, for the companies that hire us. It's certainly a win for now the over 10,000 people that we've been able to move out of poverty through this model. And thank you. Matcha lattes for you. Wonderful. Thank Thanks you so very much. much. You are quite thank welcome. You. Enjoy. Thank you. Let me um, make a toast to you, Lila. Thank you for being here, and thank you for taking me to some of our tea. Cheers. Thank you cheers. so much for having me. Wonderful. <laughs> oh, wow. That's delicious. So good. I know. That doesn't is taste so vegan, good. does it? It's so good. <laughs> yeah. I feel healthier already. <laughs> I know. Just looking at this meal. <laughs> well, let me um, tell Thanks. you a little bit. I'm really fascinated. Mm -hmm. Where did the inspiration for Samosaurus begin? How do you create opportunity in places of the world where opportunity is scarce? Lila Jana set out to answer some of the world's biggest questions. How can you truly transform a life? How do you get someone out of poverty? How do you get an entire community out of poverty? She found that giving them money alone was not enough. We work with local nonprofit partners to recruit people from slums and from rural areas. So on average, they're coming in at household incomes of about $2 a day. Mm. And on average, we increase our incomes by 500%. Wow. So moving them into middle class status in a place like East Africa. And while that may not sound like a lot of money to most people here in the U.S., a 5x increase in income is the difference literally between life and death for you and your family. It means that you can access healthcare for the first time. It means that you can access decent and secure housing. So immediately we see our workers moving out of the slum into safe and secure housing. It means that you can access clean water. One of the leading causes of violence against women in many poor communities is having to leave the home to go get water from a well in the middle of the night, um, which exposes them to all kinds of risks. So just the ability to have piped water in your home mm -hmm. reduces the risk of violence and disease significantly. So we see that these investments that people make on their own once they earn living wages are the best sort of aid program we could provide. Everyone on this show has one thing in common, and that is that they have created something out of nothing. Through their own imagination and ingenuity, they've taken an idea from inspiration to execution. And you certainly have with Samosaurus. I think what people are most interested in is not only your success, but also how you handled setbacks. <laughs> so would you be willing to share what 
your biggest failure has been and what you've learned from it? I mean, we've had so many setbacks over the last decade, <laughs> and um, I really believe, I read this advice from a VC friend uh, here in Silicon Valley, um, whose famous advice to entrepreneurs is don't punk out and quit. Um, <laughs> and then I'm also reminded of um, what Jeff Bezos put on the, on the wall of Blue Origin, his space company. Um, step-by-step step ferociously mm. and I think we so often expect to hit it out of the park uh, especially here in Silicon Valley overnight right, right. we hear these stories of companies sure. raising a hundred million dollars right. and then launching their product and within two years they've like you know gotten everybody in America to download their app uh, the reality is that the vast majority of businesses take a really long time mm -hmm. um, to I think to mature and some of the founders I most deeply respect have been in it for decades um, and had many moments along the way where they thought their business would not survive and it was through sheer perseverance and a sheer willingness to not quit mm -hmm. that they survived and their competitors didn't. Persistence. Persistence. Mm -hmm. To do what you've done at your age is pretty remarkable. How do you separate who you are from what you're doing? And can you? It's so hard. You know, I think a lot of people involved in mission-driven work feel this way, mm -hmm. that um, to me, I get to live my values and my work every day. Um, I don't have to relegate that to going to church on the weekends or, you know, doing stuff with my family mm -hmm. because to me, it's all integrated. The, the values that I hold closest to my heart are the values that guide my nine to five, well, nine to nine, <laughs> uh, seven to nine uh, job every day. And I feel really lucky to be able to do that. And for me, that's a, almost a different form of compensation. It just makes me a happier person. What is the vision? What is the future for Samasource? So uh, we've now been able to directly move 10,000 people and their families, so 10,000 workers and their families, about 45,000 people out of poverty in the last decade. Incredible. And that creates a huge ripple effect because this increased income is being spent in places like slums and rural areas in Africa and generating from the bottom up a trickle up wealth effect, right? What does that um, do for you personally to know that? <laughs> What you set out to do, what you tried to create, you did, and you are directly impacting people's lives, their children, and their future. Well, I'm blessed that it's been a team effort, so I'm really lucky that I get to work with our staff. We have uh, now close to 300 uh, people at our organization who make this happen every day. Um, but it feels, it feels really exciting. It feels like the world is changing so rapidly. And when I started, the number of people who said that this is the craziest idea that will never work, you know, poor people in sub-Saharan Africa are never gonna, I mean, I literally heard people say that. Very smart people, people in this community of tech investors. And so, um, to be this upstart organization that's proved people wrong, not because we said so, but because the talent and capabilities of the people that we're enabling um, have spoken you know, much more loudly than we could. That's really exciting. And I look forward to, to hopefully expanding our impact to 100,000 people in the, next, um, in the next five to seven years. I think we're on our way to doing that. Incredible. In 2015, Lila co-founded Luxme, a luxury skincare brand. But in typical Lila Jana fashion, the line doesn't only transform skin, but also the lives of those who produce its ingredients. Lila and Luxme have made a promise that these women earn at least three times the local average wage in hopes it will help change the lives of those who she believes just needed an opportunity. I'm struck um, by a couple of things. 
I think about your education, uh, Harvard, about your interest, which is philanthropy and social justice, poverty. And I, I can't help but think you could have clearly been a CEO of a for-profit business and made a whole lot of money, <laughs> right? You could have taken a different path, and you know that. Why did you take this path? Well, I mean, I think um, if you really do what you love and I think you approach it with enough intensity, you find a way to make ends meet. Um, I feel like somehow the universe puts the right things in your path. The ability to have lasting change on the world is something that I think is so rare um, and that I've been able to work on this since I was 25. It's just, it's a real gift. Um, it's interesting. I've had the... I've had the privilege to know many people who've earned a lot of money in Silicon Valley, who sold their startups or who were early at companies like Facebook. And what's funny to me is even after they make literally hundreds of millions of dollars, they're not necessarily happier than they were when they were starting out in their, in their entrepreneurial journeys. And that's been a real lesson to me. After our delicious and healthy meal, Lila brought me to the Mission District, known as the creative epicenter of San Francisco. It is in this neighborhood where she chose to build the Samosaurus offices. There is a real sense of place here, where even the walls have a story to tell. So we are in Clarion Alley in okay. the Mission District, uh, where I live and work. The Mission is one of the most colorful and diverse neighborhoods in San Francisco, which is why I chose to live here and base our offices here. And Clarion is a very special place. Uh, these murals are painted by a collective of artists, and they actually rotate on, I think, like a three-month basis. Oh, really? So, so they're constantly being repainted? Exactly. And there's a collective, and they actually decide together who's going to put their mural where and when the murals are going to be replaced. When you walk and see some of these murals, mm -hmm. you know, what, what do they mean to you personally? Uh, well, I think they speak to some of the biggest issues facing the city. Um, lack of affordable housing, homelessness, uh, lack of inclusion in the tech world. And um, that kind of discussion is playing out on these walls. I think it's really interesting. I, I know as a woman going out and raising venture capital, you had to have had some instances where you faced direct sexism. Uh, how did you handle that? I have a strong presence and I often felt that like nobody would choose me to harass mm -hmm. if they wanted to harass somebody <laughs> because I would make a big noise about it and right. cause them a lot more problems than it was worth probably. <laughs> but the biggest challenge I faced was paternalism, mm. um, which was sort of this idea that um, this is, you know, this is a cute company. Um, how sweet that you've come up with this idea all on your own. Mm. I would get comments like that routinely, like, did you come up with this idea yourself? Mm. You know, as a sole founder, um, that was amusing. <laughs> and, uh, and at many technology events where I was like one of three women out of 200 people, I'd often get the question of, who are you here with, assuming that I was a wife or a girlfriend um, and not a founder. But all of those things at the end of the day um, in some ways make you stronger and more resilient. And I think now I have an ability to withstand challenges that I might not have had otherwise had it not been more difficult. As I look back on my lunch with Lila, it is obvious she believes in paying it forward. And we specifically look at how many people we move out of poverty each quarter. Yes, hard work, talent, and determination took her to the top of the tech world. But it was her decision to devote her work to the betterment of others that speaks volumes. 
What's exciting about our nonprofit work is that it's now mostly self-sustaining. From her choice to eat at Samovar Tea, where the mission is to change the way we see the world, to her decision to build her Samosource empire in the middle of the Mission neighborhood, with such a creative and vibrant story. The word Sama translates to equal. We are all equal. Opportunity is not. Lila Jana saw a way to change that and had the audacity to believe she could do something about it. She could and she did in a massive, jaw-dropping, global way. Her quest for answers to life's biggest questions inspires us all to not only keep asking them, but to believe that maybe we can answer them too. Thanks for listening to To Dine For The Podcast. For more information on the show, the guests, and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv and Facebook at todinefor with Kate Sullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National and Spiritless. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golner. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon. 